0: Right. Hello, hello, and welcome to Freightonomics, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence here at Freightways and as with me, with me as always, Anthony Smith. Hello, Lead Economist. Anthony uh, Smith, Lead Economist. Yeah. Yes, and we are joined today by a very special guest, Henry Byers a resident maritime market expert, and of course, lots of industry knowledge there. So if you can't guess, the, the, the topic of today's show will center, of course, around a lot of what we're dealing with on the maritime sector, imports going haywire. We talked about it ad nauseum uh, on many of our channels now, but it still continues to be one of the most, uh, the strongest supporting factor for the domestic freight market uh, here in 2020, uh, the year that won't end. Uh, and, you know, Something that we uh, are gonna dive into here in a little bit is just how long do we think that's gonna last and support and are there some risks associated with it? And of course, Henry is gonna give us his insight there and we're gonna break down a little bit of the data uh, that lets us support some of that theory. But in the meantime, Anthony Smith, what are you doing? I am on this beautiful FreightWaves laptop here, but I am (laughs) monitoring
1: LinkedIn and Facebook as always because we are streaming live. So if anything we say strikes a comment within your head, put that out into the universe or the internet here. I will read those comments out. If you have any questions for me, Zach, our maritime import export uh, expert here, Henry Byers, let us know and we'll get,
0: get it out there. Yes, and thank you for that. So you know, let's dive right on into today's show because I know it's going to get uh, it's going to get dirty uh, <laughs> talking about some of this uh, this maritime situation, which has been a very uh, interesting, to say the least, environment here over the last few months. But stories of the day, the story of today, of course, extremely topical uh, to what we're about to talk about. But uh, ship orders sink. As Fear of Future Economic Crisis Grows, written by, of course, Greg Miller, uh, one of our best uh, editorial uh, contributors there. Uh, He works in the American Shippers segment, does some great work uh, along with the team there. Uh, But, you know, basically this article is stating that concerns over global, a global economic crisis is going to have fallout and actually has near-term implications for the maritime industry, uh, specifically in the way that, you know, there's almost a signal of, are they expecting imports and orders and things like that, domestic goods, the, thing that, the very thing that's fueling this freight economy right now domestically uh, to fall apart in 2021? And they had a survey uh, that went out and basically they've done this for the past three years uh, and they, you know, every year there's a concern for this global economic meltdown that's going, it's always a threat that they're always on the lookout for. It's kind of like, you know, the chicken little sky is falling situation. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, the big takeaway here is that last year, the big uh, concern uh, in the maritime industry was the decarbonization. Uh, where they were trying to get some of these, you know, these ships out of the water and, and put into the, you know, scrubbers uh, so there's not as much carbon emissions, cleaner for the environment, et cetera, for the, the diesel fuel. The bunker fuel can no longer be used unless you have these scrubbers on it. Um, and, Henry, I'd really love to hear your, your take on this. I mean, we're going to hit on this in a little bit more detail here in a bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, what what's what do we make of this survey that's basically telling us, the maritime guys who have a pretty wide exposure to a lot of shippers mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of companies that drive our you know consumption and, mm-hmm. and our our market here in the united states, what are are these concerns justified
2: yeah i'd say absolutely, and a great way to think about it 's like in the truckload market, which you 're a lot more familiar with is you know ordering new trucks, right, new Class 8 truck orders. Mm-hmm. That's something that we're really looking at keeping, you know, as a, as a barometer of how people expect the freight market uh, to do. Uh-huh. Um, so just like that, ship orders, you know, Greg Miller was writing, I thought it was clever. He said, you know, the bull case for this is that it's just over decarbonization fears. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the hills of the low sulfur fuel mandates and just regulatory risks overall, um, that's why the ship orders are low. Right. But in, you know, and he's basically saying in the bear case is that, you know, fears of a glo- global financial crisis are still, you know, way up there, above normal. And that, right. that's certainly true as far as that survey is concerned. And I, I would say, you know, that's certainly justified because if you look at the amount of imports that have been coming in over the last couple of months, uh, the restocking of warehouses really. Um, on the hills of the big buying surge that we saw as, as a result of people staying at home and, mm-hmm. and remote work, which you guys have obviously been covering a lot. Um, I certainly feel like it's so much volume and you know, and these importers are looking to store you know more inventory over a longer period of time than normal due to the trade war. I mean, we have come out <laughs> the hills of a significant trade war over the last couple of years. Uh, we also had the COVID buying. So you have a number of factors really saying that you know they may be bringing in, in enough inventory to last through Chinese New Year next year, which is like, what, February? Yeah. So it's one of these things where you may see Q1 um, next year speed, you know fairly depressed in the ocean container market, specifically. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, well, I mean, I, I think there is kind of this natural tendency, and we were talking a little bit before the show about this, of people when you do see an environment like we see today where it's kind of an unnatural high, you know, we've never been in this uh, environment before, so it's like, whoa, 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 I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with things getting this uh, aggressive uh, so quickly. And we all kind of say, okay, what goes up must come down. I think the real question is, when does it start to kind of moderate and how sharp is that decline? Anthony, you're our lead economist here at Freightways, Ways, man. <laughs> yeah. Shine some light on what you're seeing on the, you know, relate it to the, you know, what we see here domestically, some of the indicators that you're looking at that, you know, may support or deny what You know, what Greg Miller's survey is kind of telling us here.
1: Definitely. I think uh, so. One of the things that Henry just mentioned was those orders coming in and I think that capacity crunch. And I think we've always been seeing some of that capacity crunch. And I think we're going to get into this a little bit, of course, next week when we talk LMI stats. But just a little preview for next week, looking at what's happening with warehousing, especially downstream on the consumer side of things. That is incredibly tight, and this even to the point likely where um, retailers and shippers are competing for warehousing space. And so there's a really tight capacity crunch for not just transportation and hauling some of these goods, but that warehousing um, capacity. And we're seeing record levels on the LMI with uh, warehousing prices um, and, and really feeding into overall inventory levels. And that's really further on downstream. Conversely, when we're looking at something more upstream like the, um, the the ISM, so the PMI, more manufacturing facing. New orders tick down about 7.4 per, uh, percentage points, so still very much in growth because it's at 60.2. It's above 50, but we are seeing some declining trends or slower growth for that manufacturing segment, even when it comes into new orders. And so I think there's that divergent trend that we've seen much of throughout the year of um, strong consumer activity, not so much industrial sector activity, um, but downstream it's going to be such a capacity crunch. I think we've seen that a lot um, throughout the, the year. And I think this is only going to get amplified, especially as we move into some of those e-commerce holidays. We're going look at Amazon Prime coming up. We're looking at Best Buy, Walmart, all these big shippers out there. Um, that's really going to amplify, I think, some of the uh, potential warehousing capacity crunch and transportation uh, crunch right now.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting thing that we're looking at right now. I mean, there's, if you've ever gotten into a you know an app or something that's trying to sell you on something, and they're, they're, they put that kind of limitation on there saying like, act now, only three left or only, you know, you get on Amazon Prime and you put in your order and there's like nine left to go or, order now. I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing in a lot of these orders that are coming across the ocean right now is like they were kind of snake bit. In April and May, when there was no capacity, and all of these consume, consumption behaviors were changing, mm-hmm. and they had no idea that there was going to be this growing demand, there's spiking demand for lumber, uh, for home improvement, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or you know all this, all these recreational vehicles and things like that that they didn't have in their forecasts earlier in the year, and then so since they weren't able to secure capacity either on the boats, obviously they pulled down the maritime guys pulled down a lot of uh, capacity off the water, in anticipation, so they couldn't get. Uh, these orders, so now they're like, while they can get it, they're they're just making sure that they can get on these boats while they're there, get into some of these containers, uh, and then now, Anthony, you're talking about how warehousing capacity has been strained, uh, and if you don't have a warehouse, you know, you're basically you know, left hanging, and you're going to pay a premium for that warehouse space uh, in the future, and I think there's a lot of that going on right now that's kind of incentivizing these shippers to pull this freight forward, just like we saw with the trade war, but there's, I mean, the inventory levels are being depleted at this Mm -hmm. point, unlike last year. Uh, But I think since those inventories are getting depleted, the shippers are still like in that mode of, I got to get ready. And just like you said, Mm -hmm. Chinese New Year, having inventory through Chinese New Year and being prepared with a longer uh, inventory to sales ratio than they would normally be, which of course the national one dropped to what, 1.3? Uh, which is way down from a year ago, where it was close to 1.4 most of the year. Mm-hmm. These inventory levels were just stagnating, mm-hmm. um, and now it's it's kind of dropped. And uh, you know, again, I don't like to harp too much on sentiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've heard us what? talk, uh, I don't That's know <laughs> metrics, Zach. <laughs> yeah, these surveys. Uh, but I do put a little bit of stock in some of these forward-looking sectors. Mm-hmm. You know, the maritime side, these these ship owners. They're forecasting, you know, and again, forecasts. Anybody that was forecasting 2020, they, they got it wrong. <laughs> um, but in a normal year, I think they're relatively dialed in. And again, putting too much stock in these forecasts for the future, uh, you know, especially on people that whose worlds have been completely changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how much to put in there, but the fact that it was in there every single year, it's just become a greater concern, which. I almost want to say, duh, (laughs) you know, like, wow, we live in this volatile environment and we can't uh, we can't be confident in what's going to happen next. It's almost like, "Okay," (laughs) Uh, But again, we're still in this very strong environment with imports Mm -hmm. coming into the country. And so with that, I think we can transition into, you know, for a lot of our audience, they may not have as much familiarity Mm -hmm. with. Uh, you know, what we're talking about on the ocean side. Maybe they've been in trucking for a long time and they've been, you know, like myself, I was sitting out there not, I had no idea what was occurring at the Port of Long Beach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No idea how it impacted my overall capacity, what it was doing to the, you know, domestic demand. Give us some insight into what you would anticipate. How does a normal year look?
2: <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a normal year, uh, but, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, if we go back to like 2014, 2013, before really the port strikes LA 2014 and 15, that was really you know, one of the times that really, uh, it created a volatility in such a way where you know, really shippers and, and just supply chains in general, were, it kind of opened their eyes. And then from there it was trade war, now COVID, and you know, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of buildup of inventory. But a normal year would be, you know, since China's our largest trading partner, especially on the import side. How it would normally go is you have it's really bounced around Chinese New Year at the very beginning of the year. So we're talking about from January to the time that Chinese New Year starts, which is a, really a two, three week holiday uh, for a lot of people in China. And they basically shut down. So you would see a, a big spike in import volumes prior to Chinese New Year, kind of in, building up that inventory. In right? January,
0: yep, which last. is not traditionally strong for domestic freight trucking. Right. So they're building inventories yep. just to make sure they have something while, you know, because how long is it for Chinese New Year to?
2: Your logistics company is about one to two weeks, but everybody else is generally two to three weeks. I mean, you know, I've even heard stories about workers, you know, they work until Chinese New Year and they just go back to the rural countryside. You know, probably not so much anymore, uh, but, but they certainly take, it's a serious holiday. Yeah,
0: And then of course you have a long lead time yep. before they get back into their factories. Mm-hmm. And, and again, traditionally, a lot of them change jobs.
2: Well, think about it, this year, uh, COVID happened simultaneously with that holiday, yeah. which was so interesting. Um, you did have that build up before the holidays. Uh, but if we look back to 2018 with the tariff pull forward, you actually had a lot of that freight come in uh, because the tariff deadline on right. January 1st uh, didn't have such a spike. And then you kind of saw inventory trickle out and truckload throughout the year. Um, but let's get back to the, what a normal year would look like. So you'd have Chinese in a year, two three weeks. Um, then freight would generally be you know slow to to increase, usually about late May, early Junes, when you start to see an increase. Um, and then you really, you know, peak season, what we consider peak season in maritime, because we're talking about maritime containers, right? right? That's different than really the truckload peak season, but generally late August, early September. Um, and you usually see ocean container rates generally top out around September 15th, October 1st. And then, you know, it, uh, it slowly declines all right. through, the, through, the new, or through the new year, and then you see that build up before Chinese New Year. So. <laughs>
0: So basically, this kind of wet, choppy yes. <laughs> first part of the year in January, and then it kind of slides down, doesn't really get back going until summer uh, before kind of moderating into the winter. Uh, yep. Yeah, yep. that's, you know, and this year, what has happened this year?
2: Like, this year, we've <laughs> seen a pull forward. I mean, you, you certainly, um, you could make a case that you saw a pull forward last year, and it was it, it really led to, generally between May and September, you had, uh, you didn't really see a spike like you normally would. Um, this year's been much more of what we would be used to, except it's been amplified by about <laughs> 80 to 100% uh, in terms of volume. And that's what really concerns me, Zach, because that's so much volume. Generally, I say whenever the Port of Long Beach and the Port of Los Angeles handles t- an additional 200,000 TUs over any two-month period, it causes quite a downstream, you know, effect on the chocolate industry specifically. Um, but we've handled more than that this year, and I think that's why I'm really. I'm not concerned as much as I'm just, you know, I'm saying, you know, let's let's make sure we're keeping an eye on things because there could be so much inventory built up here in the U.S. Um, that imports could be depressed, and but you could see that's eventually going to play out to the truckload market, right? Right. Um, so that's why I say, you know, the the getting's good right now, and, and right. certainly take advantage, but at the same time, um, you know, the bullish case here to keep rates artificially high would be to keep order books low, right? Because right. you don't want to increase that capacity. Um, but but I think the the ocean carriers, because like we're talking about with the PMI, those new purchase orders go on those ships. Mm -hmm. Those guys are pretty in tune with what's happening, so I think they're certainly wary, and you also had a lot of capacity come online this year. There's plenty of capacity in terms of vessel capacity, in my opinion. There's not so much capacity in terms of containers. Which is also an interesting thing, right? So yeah,
0: I mean, effectively, containers—they you know, have to reposition these containers, and we are obviously at a trade deficit with China, uh, especially on the durable goods side. We don't produce that much, and a lot of the volume that goes overseas is, you know, our garbage, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also uh, some agriculture. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are not necessarily transported in the same exact container, so there is a huge uh, discrepancy, an imbalance there with container flow. Yeah, right? you like
2: the headhaul index of truckload, yeah. right? Like it's a major. Major headhaul lane for carriers, right. and uh, just like you're mentioning, like a lot of times importers have what they what's known as like 14 free days. Um, and that, you know they generally strong arm ocean carriers into accepting that type of uh, free time. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that they can keep their containers outside and keep, basically keep that capacity at their distribution centers for that long before they, have to, before they get penalized for not turning it back in on time. Right. So you take, you take Walmart's import increase, Amazon's import increase, Target, I mean the largest you know, top 10 importers, and they all have 14 free days, right. that's where your deficit and, and they're trying to bring more volume in, so that's why 40 foot and 40 foot iCubes are really at a huge deficit right now it's, because, it's for that exact reason. Because all of those are sitting there waiting for that backhaul, but they can't get out to be backhauled back. Um, so, and that's where you see like I-Rail I Los Angeles mm-hmm. right now, um, which is the inbound empty containers for international, right. is spiking up, you know, way up out of places like Chicago, because they're just trying desperately to get any containers they can back overseas for this volume. And
0: so the maritime, the shippers, the carriers on the water, one was the boats <laughs> they own the majority of the 20 and 40s correct 20 foot and 40 foot containers correct Yep,
2: generally but you do have some leasing companies as well
0: okay and uh, you know and some of the freight forwarders I believe own some stock in those containers as well
2: yeah I'm sure I'm okay. sure um, but but generally it's the ocean carriers and a, and a few leasing companies
0: so effectively you know one of the things that we've written about here at freight waves is that you can actually track the empty container flows and that'll be a signal uh, for you know expected demand in a mm-hmm. lot of cases you know mm-hmm. especially on the rail we track that here our sonar platform where you can see, like you mentioned, uh, iRail empty, inbound rail container flow empty going into these port areas like Los Angeles. There's only a handful of rail heads in the, in the United States, so it's mm-hmm. all, there's only so many places that, that you can look. Um, we looked at it last year in uh, the port of New York, New Jersey. We mm-hmm. saw import uh, in, empty container flow going into uh, the East Coast uh, port area. Where, you know, normally you don't see that kind of imbalance, mm-hmm. uh, but they were pushing them back that way. And sure enough, there in a month or so, we had a strong uh, peak season mm-hmm. uh, in the Northeast. So, and, and again, the rail company for the 53-footers, which are the ones that we tend to consider domestic intermodal, uh, a lot of the carriers, the rail, uh, the rail carriers and some, and obviously J.B. Hunt, uh, Knight Swift, they own those trailers, correct? Yes. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit of different environment with the 53s and the 20s and 40s.
2: Certainly in regards to how ocean carriers negotiate their contracts. And the, that's why when you tend to see a lot of volume coming into Los Angeles and Long Beach and it doesn't, this year, it's shifting into truckload, or at least right. it did for, for at least a couple of weeks because all that was really time-sensitive goods, needed to get back on the shelves ASAP. But once that two, three weeks went, you saw those transloads and the 53-foots happen because they usually are a little bit more lenient on their free time restrictions. So generally, they tend to use those as like a, a temporary warehousing solution. So like a night Swift, for instance, would tell you that, I, I bet a lot of importers are coming to them saying, hey, we need to just put these in some 53-foot containers and how long can you leave them at my, uh, at my distribution center? Right. I bet that's happening uh, across the board, so you probably have some good deficits there too. Okay,
0: yeah.
1: And Henry, um, just curious from like, a, you, you're talking about you know, a lot of the current conditions and how we've had so long from when we, uh, we had a normal freight year, and any kind of forecasting is almost like a shot in the dark, but really curious to hear how you really see the first part, for especially the first quarter of 2021 playing out.
2: Yeah, I think it, it, you know Chinese New Year um, is going to play a big role in that, in, in the sense that um, it's a bit later, so you may see some increased volumes as a result of it just being a little later. But at the same time, what we're what we're talking about here is there's so much inventory being brought in right now, and, and there's so the with the ocean bookings working out, we're still looking at increases year over year. So if that continues through the end of the year, and, and obviously this is. Absent any additional COVID lockdowns. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would predict that it would be below this year in terms of volumes, Q1 will be in terms of import volumes, because there will just be so much inventory here. Now, after Chinese New Year, um, you'll probably see a lot of that inventory having kind of turned over. Um, but I, I think, because you think about the fine line we're walking right here, these importers are bringing in these goods expecting that they're gonna sell. What happens if more people lose their jobs? What happens if there's no stimulus? I mean, we're, we're really walking a fine line, so that's what I would really keep an eye on, um, is how well we do this retail season will dictate how much volume we have in Q1. But, but right now, all things considered, I'm calling for decreased volumes in Q1.
1: Yeah, I think you hit a, a really strong point there. I mean, there's a lot of things that are kind of coming into play that first quarter of 2021. I mean, the expiration of any of those protections for um, those renters. Uh, um, I've heard latest stories of there's not going to be any type of stimulus until
0: after the election. Um, <laughs> well, that's heard, what Trump tweeted or yes. said yesterday is like, I'm going to shut down the talks. Yet yeah, this morning we walk into, well, the airlines <laughs> they're they're going to get bailed out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know you never know what's you never in. know what's going to happen. <laughs> and like
1: it's just like you said perfectly. It's that fine line of what's going to happen. Are we going to be able to just flip the switch and say, hey, um, all of you that haven't been able to pay your rent over the last three months, it's all due now, or? Mm-hmm is there going to be some type of additional benefits and is there going to be support for landlords? And so there's a lot of things that go into play here, um, especially with the employment um, uh, sector right now, where you're seeing unemployment rates at 7.9% right now. Mm -hmm. So it's that increase, um, I'm sorry, decrease, but it's at a very slow pace, much slower than people want.
0: And I read that, you know, there was actually, yeah, there was a a stronger decrease in the unemployment rate than anticipated. Again, story of the year, but a lot of that had to do with an uh, unexpected amount of people exiting the labor force. Yeah. Like, they were basically saying, okay, we're going to stay at home now. We're not going to look for a job. We just can't find it. Obviously, it's not going to be around. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of exits, and that's what drove down uh, some of that. Yeah,
1: and then this gets tricky because we have that. We have individuals that misclassified themselves as um, employed oh, yeah. or laid off when they weren't really laid off. They were, you know. so classifying correctly what lane you're actually in when it comes to the labor market. Then um, other other measures, of course, we look at every Thursday jobless claims. California excluded themselves. They didn't accept any new jobless claims in, in California uh, because they were, one, investigating fraud potential attempts, and um, they have this incredible backlog of, of claims to work through. So Um, there's a few things pulling and and pushing different kind of um, uh, numbers for these jobless claims numbers, the employment, unemployment numbers. And so definitely interesting to see how these all kind of come into effect with retail season. But even if there is some type of slowdown in overall retail sales, I think one thing we can be sure though of home improvement goods staying strong, most likely, and e-commerce retail sales uh, likely staying strong within that double-digit growth.
0: Yeah, I think now we're all kind of seeing a very divergent path for a lot of people in the economy. Some of them are doing exceptionally well. The K-shaped recovery, if you will, uh, whereas, you know, the service sector, restaurant, hotel, travel uh, going the other direction, whereas you have the retail, consumer products, home improvement going another direction entirely. Obviously, the logistics space, if you were involved in transporting any of these goods, Uh, you are having a banner, uh, you know, I guess second half of the year for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not so much around April and May as nobody had a great time then. But I want to pull it back into, you know, the maritime sector and what we kind of look at here in the near term. I mean, there's not a lot that we can do to predict what is going to happen with the election um, and and COVID and all these external factors. I want to focus on what we can see right now. And, of course, that narrows our band of predictability. To mm-hmm. more of a near term, but we do look at something here in sonar. If we just pull that up for people, and I want you know, I want you to kind of explain, uh, Henry, what we look at when we're looking at our ocean shipments uh, indexes, because you are mm-hmm. one of the authors of this this wonderful report, and you know, I've got China pulled up as our trade country, um, and then of course it's coming into all U.S. ports right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just make it a. Coming into Long Beach, so what is this? What is this
2: telling us? This is telling us that year over year, um, for this seven days, compared with the last uh, the same seven days last year, that we're seeing uh, a pretty substantial increase year over year. So we're looking at both the amount of shipments and the amount of TUs, um, and those are indexed values, but um, the year over year percent changes representing you know directionally um, where those are compared to last year. Um, and, and really, you know, it could be multiple TUs per shipment. That's why you, there's a variance there, obviously. Um, but this is telling us what's leaving those countries of origin. So when you have China clicked and you have Long Beach, we're seeing um, over the next seven days how much volume is set to move between China and Long Beach. And, this, and it's telling us very clearly that compared with last year, which you know I would've said uh, really through the remainder of this year, we're gonna see elevated volumes on a year-over-year basis.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're, we're looking at the next seven days of bookings, so estimated time of departures yep. uh, from October 7th through the 13th. Uh, that blue line there uh, on the ocean shipments and ocean TEU is this year. Yep. And then the dotted orange line is, the, is last year's mm-hmm. uh, bookings and uh, TEU volumes indexed, of course. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, though, that we're seeing some sort of return to seasonality here in terms of direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and what this means for people that are hauling freight means that it's two things in my mind. And, and correct me and interject if I'm, if I'm reading this wrong, is that uh, we're going to see an elevated peak season, more than likely, with a lot of the freight still coming in. Inventory is, you know, still struggling to for catch truckload. up. For truckload. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's not a lot of space around the ports anymore. They've been pulling it in for long enough now. It's just transitioning straight into surface transportation for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to continue because everything that's here over the next seven days, that's leaving China. Mm-hmm. So that takes, what, 12 to 20-ish days? It's
2: probably more about 14 to 16. Okay. Um, you know, you say 12 to 14. That's yeah. how the services are offered, yeah. of course. Um, but, yeah, it's generally about 14 to 16 So
0: 14 to 16 days from this time period, that's to the west coast <laughs> yep. Yep. on average. Uh, that freight hits the port's... So that means that here in the next month, more than likely, through the month of October, we're going to see elevated volumes. And the thought of this inventory slowing, you know, at least slowing to November, December on the surface transportation side Mm -hmm. is not very high in my mind because it's retail peak.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're on a downward trend. I mean, you know, people were giving me a a bit of flack because I was calling the peak in in late August. And And it was the peak in terms of weekly total volumes for U.S. imports. Um, but year, on a year-over-year basis, certainly elevated. And again, on a year-over-year basis, the trend lines, like you're saying, the seasonality lining up fairly well, yep. but you're gonna have this year, over last year, yep. through the remainder of this year, um, and not until next year, Q1, barring no other lockdowns or trade wars, because trade wars can artificially boost volumes too, right. um, I think we're gonna see some that, that, that year-over-year turn negative.
0: Yeah, I think that's a uh, pretty fantastic. But I do think, think find it interesting that we're yes, we're elevated year over year. But now it looks like we're returning to somewhat of a normal pattern in terms of trend lines. Correct?
2: That's what makes me think that inventories are getting full.
0: Yeah. No. Inventory levels. Of course, we'll talk to Zach Rogers next week. Good teaser right. uh, for the uh, for next week. You know, we have about a minute left here this week uh, to wrap things up. But yeah, inventory levels obviously a big deal uh, to. Dr. Zach Rogers, uh, one of the co-authors of the LMI Logistics Managers Index, uh, that we'll talk to about that. If he sees any like interesting divergences or trend changes there, because um, inventory—that's the one piece of logistics that a lot of the you know a lot of the space like maritime or trucking or rail—they really don't have a lot of visibility into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that came through the, uh, the pipeline gets into a warehouse and it sits before it gets on a truck or the rail.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the part that's hard to find out. Well, uh, that's about going to do it for this week. Anthony yeah. Smith, Henry, thank you for joining us this Pretty week. And be sure to download Freightways, the Freightways DV app on the podcast players everywhere. Just look up Freightonomics or Freightcasts and get all of Wave's Wonderful podcast. Dooner and the Dude. Kevin Hill. Great quarter guys. What the truck and put that coffee down. All of them. All of
1: them.